Hey, hey, and welcome to That's So New Media, a podcast about tech's impact on creative culture. Today, we'll be chatting about how difficult it is to describe what we do for a living. How do you describe what you do? How do your parents try to describe what you do? How many people think you work in IT? We're joined by our friends, Kavandeep Verdi and Ivaila Gidov. Coven's an artist who makes media and products that invite people to be expressive, playful, and creative together. I met Coven at IO Festival when he gave the most energetic talk. People were laughing and making music with their phones, and I was like, I gotta be friends with this guy. He's a writer advocate at Medium and author of the book, Feeling Great About My Butt, which you absolutely have to get. It's incredible. Ivalo's work is similar. As a wandering technical director and head of interactive at Dandelion and Burdock, his entire website is a word vomit compilation of the crazy range of things he's worked on, along with the numerous seemingly made-up job titles that he's had, which I'm sure we can all relate to. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hello. So just to kick things off, how do you explain what the hell you do to people who don't work in tech? Ivalo, I know you have a lot of experience with this, given that your website is basically this. Uh, so like, let's start with you. How do you describe what you do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're referring to a 700-page text-only intro to my website, which was <laughs> like a really weird uh, style of portfolio that I decided to try, which I've since kind of like toned down a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I went to film school, and then I realized I didn't want to do film anymore. And all my friends were like, but you're starting over. And I didn't really feel like I was starting over. I felt like this was just kind of like a step in the same direction. So I got really frustrated by like, the need to explain it because I just felt like um, like I, I could understand how like going and doing films and then like branching out and doing new media or interactive stuff kind of like felt like the same thing. And so in a moment of frustration, I just kind of like sat down and I wrote this essay that was like, I don't know how to describe what I do. It doesn't matter. I make things with tech if that's the right tool. Sometimes I take pictures. I just want people to have a good time. I want to do it for people, you know, in an art context. I want to do it for people in like a, you know, whatever commercial storytelling. And so I, I just kind of wrote this down. And uh, I mean, I can go a lot deeper into like the specifics of it, but it just really was more an exercise to like get all of that off my chest. I mean, to answer your question directly, I think it really just depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, working with computers might just be the easier answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I, I just basically say that. But then my mom says, uh, she's a, a graphic designer with computers. She works. I don't know. Computers are in there somewhere. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I think it's it's always been like in relationship to something, right? Like, I think recently it's gotten a little bit easier because I've been fortunate enough that like the majority of my work for the past two years has been in uh, the fine arts industry. So it's a lot easier mm -hmm. to sort of point to an existing industry and say like, yeah, I work with artists that want to bring technology into their practice. Um, and people sort of get that. You can sort of get the analogy of like Richard Serra doesn't roll his own steel walls, what? right? Like there's a factory. <laughs> yes. Newsflash. Oh like Richard Serra is not the only guy handling many, many tons of, of raw steel. And I think people can sort of like draw that comparison to somebody that's making something with like a neural network or with um, you know, tracking somebody in space, like I am, I am the steel foundry that that person is working with. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what I've been leaning on recently. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know Coven, for you, your uh, career has kind of gone all over the place from digital to now a little bit more analog. And so how, do, how have you dealt with that up and down and change in career? Yeah. Um, explaining what you do 
this is always kind of challenging, even when you like have to sit down and write down your bio. Um, oh yeah. But when I like zoom out a little bit and think about it, I I began to realize that a lot of times uh, when it comes to like describing a position, explaining what you do, it's like sort of the start of a conversation and and sort of inviting that curiosity that like most people when they ask you they don't mean to ask you a riddle or anything like that even though when you hear that question you're like oh my god how am i going to describe it this time for them it's just <laughs> like i want to know about you and i think about like various careers that i had in the past and like before i got the job i wanted what would i say i did um i would i would go with different things that i was interested in like I'd wake up and I'd be like, today, I really want to go forward with electronic music and experimental composition. So the people I meet today, that's what I do. And then that would lead to different collaborations. When I was a researcher, like a few years ago, I was a researcher. This was back in Boston, in an area called Complex Systems, which is a very ambiguous name. Now people might be more familiar with it, but generally like in describing what we did with that, it was like, okay, well, we have physics and math models that we apply to understand social behavior. And that's like really long. And people are like, oh, what are the applications? And we're like, okay, well, these different areas. And it was really challenging to describe what we did with you know my colleagues and I until a few years in, hashtag data science became a thing. And mm -hmm. everybody was aware of that. And then so we could just say, oh, we're a data scientist. And people are like, oh, yeah, of course. And cool. There was something. That, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> oh, we need one of those. Um, and I was just thinking about like, because that was an interesting moment because you had like this sort of nebulous set of skills. Um, and then that kind of coalesced to this term. And then through marketing and, and branding or awareness of that term, people understood Maybe they didn't understand, but at least they knew vaguely <laughs> what it was. Um, they knew it was cool. <laughs> and it was cool. And from that, you know, there would be other, I, I think in tech, there's a lot of different positions, new kinds of positions. You kind of sometimes make up a title. Um, and so you make it up maybe to start that conversation and then, and then you can elaborate more. And then there's other positions that are, that are known, like you say product manager or designer or like things like that. And people will have a better idea of like, oh, okay, I kind of understand what that is. Like you bring up a really good point and this notion of kind of like tying it to existing industries, like I was talking about too. But I, I think like the larger frustration for me, you know, when I was beginning to venture into this kind of work and like, now I'm a, a little bit more comfortable kind of having a fluid label or not really caring about what my label is because like, you know, thankfully I'm consistently like people are coming to me for for answers but you know i think like the notion that i would have to explain myself and that like a non-definitive answer is not okay was really the frustrating thing because like what i want the answer to be is like i don't know like it's i, I kind of do what i want in a way that might be useful to people mm -hmm. which sounds like really selfish <laughs> but i think is important right like i think it's important to to say like like, what do you want me to do? Like, can we do something together? Like, what's the collaboration that like you wish you could do that maybe I have enough knowledge to help you do? You know, like I want like that to be my job. I want the mm -hmm. job to be like the guy that helps figure stuff out. Yeah. Um, but like, there's such a need to put like an analogy to it or to say like, yeah, I work in this field or I work in, uh, you know, the, I work as a designer, I work as whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't blame people for needing those 
those labels. Yeah, I think like for me, a big benefit of starting Next Start was I never needed a job title anymore. It was just more, I was the founder of Next Start, this company that does this thing. Um, but then that also still comes with the same problem of, okay, cool, what does that mean? Um, and I think <laughs> honestly, like it feels weird because it always depends on who I'm talking to to like dictate how excited I am to explain it. Because I feel like there's this difference between some people who are like, oh, what does that mean? Can you explain? And versus other people who are like, oh, I have no idea what that is. And I don't know if I want them to elaborate or not. And like, I almost have to, I feel like I almost have to gauge the reaction every single time when I t tell them, tell people what I do. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. I know for a while, at least for me, when I was working in advertising, there was this huge boom in the title creative technologist. And so kind of people kind of ran with that. And I got super excited because I was like, oh, this is a title where it's like, you know, I'm being creative with technology. It's kind of perfect. But then like that boom happened. Everybody knew they wanted one, but didn't really know what they needed one for or what they did. Um, and then like master's programs started coming out and then dying because of it and all this different stuff. And like a lot of people and then started... we got shingy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I feel like oh, this like almost godsend became this like even more confusing thing to deal with. Um, so I don't know. How, have you guys like dealt with the whole creative technologist thing and like tried that title? How does it feel? I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes, like, like what you've just described is, I think, a really um, familiar sounding relationship to that title, right? Like it's, it should be perfect, but it gets commodified, um, you know, and not, again, like not to sort of, uh, can I say not to shit on or what kind of <laughs> yeah, podcast? Okay, let's, are do it, let's do it, let's get into it. <laughs> so like not, not to shit on like the need to commodify stuff. Like we all theoretically are existing in like kind of a job economy and we're using our skills to, to make money. So it shouldn't be embarrassing to like commodify it, but it definitely felt like there was this huge range of people that were like self-identifying as creative technologists and um, maybe doing so to fill a demand versus to reflect like a set of skills. I feel like when we say set of skills, it makes me think we're all Liam Neeson in some way, but like <laughs> not as sexy. <laughs> Or maybe, so, I don't hey, know. speak for yourself. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Um, Coven, I know that you, you've gone from like a super, super technology-oriented role to now like a writer advocate. And like, you know, you, you're so talented in so many different things and I'm always impressed by what you pursue. So how has that kind of, like, has that made it easier for you when you go a little bit more analog? I know you say that you're a little less digital and you work less with computers now. So has that made it better? Has that made any difference at all? The, it's interesting because I, as I as I think about that role, creative technologist, like sort of as a as a jumping off point, I remember the first time I heard that, and I was like, "Oh my god, like cool, like this position is hireable now, and I can yeah. say that." Um, <laughs> I have a job, <laughs> and there was like a glamour to it. Um, but then, just as you were saying, I believe like everybody was it. You'd hear it everywhere, and as fast as it became known, it became like kind of not uncool. It just well, meaningless. meaningless. And and then I kind of felt like there was something really not elitist isn't the right word, but it was like, oh, I'm a creative technologist. You know, I'm deliberately <laughs> confusing about what I do. Um, and so I, I became like less interested in that and more interested in like, okay, well, what what is the thing I'm creatively technologizing? Like, what am mm -hmm. I making with it? Um, and more recently, like, yeah, if people ask me what I do, I say I'm in publishing. Because like I work, oh, I work at a tech company, but that's really in the publishing space. Um, 
And I think that might have to do with wanting to be clearer about where and how the technology is being used that that technology in itself is like it's like a thing that'll do something um and i want to be more specific but it's a mixture of that and also like if you're in the bay area and you're in tech and you say i'm in tech like depending on where you are you'll get certain responses because there's a lot that comes along with that um a lot of challenges a lot of difficulty that that tech is bringing in uh and that that's the subject of numerous other podcasts so i don't want to like dive into that right now but that's part of the reason why i start with i'm in publishing and when it comes to like when i started to look outside of the media mediums of technology and the art that i was making i didn't know how to describe what it was that i that I was doing but I knew what I wanted like mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to make works that weren't about spectacle that weren't using technology to create something flashy I wanted to create something with a story and I didn't know how to describe that but I knew it was like okay something I use the words something concrete represent an idea concretely later on I learned that the word for that is representational like that's what I was making representational things and I was using drawing to get to that and then I learned the word for that is illustration. Like and it sounds so obvious but mm-hmm. when you're going from a cloud of like possibilities and and you're sort of moving in a certain direction gradually like the words will come to you and you'll understand them in a new way. And then for me the most compelling moment was realizing that the people who think very intentionally about the mediums that they work in and the message that they're sharing to a broader audience mm-hmm. those are art directors mm-hmm. and i realized that the skill that i wanted to grow in was around art direction so in that vein i was like okay how do i find art directors and then i started throwing a happy hour oh wow for art directors Amazing. with the hope to meet them and then learn about this you know and it was like so you know it it wasn't wildly successful but i got to meet a handful of people who understood that language that i wanted to learn more about so i met you Kevin at the same IO uh, that Natalie mentioned and I wasn't familiar with your uh, prior work but I, I believe you were giving a talk or at least I don't know if we're talking about the same talk Natalie but at least where the stuff that you were sharing that I saw was like a bunch of really interesting large-scale drawing like process stuff and there was no digital aspect to it there was no like quote-unquote technology aspect to it but it felt really appropriate to the group of people that was there, but really appropriate to this quote unquote tech conference. And I think that and what you've just sort of talked about really speaks to this idea that like a, a big aversion to creative technology is that like it, it emphasizes technology as like the thing. And I think a lot of people, and definitely speaking for myself, like technology has never been like the thing. Technology has been a possible means to an end. And I think the field of tech or whatever you want to label it sort of gives you the freedom to try new processes. And one of those processes like might be drawing, might be art direction, might be, you know, this non-technological thing, but it has to do with like a approach to problems. And I think that's what attracted a lot of people to this label of creative technologist. And then the, the emphasis sort of seemed to land on like, okay, cool. We need somebody who's tech savvy in our creative field. But I don't think that should be the case. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point from like a curator and producer point of view. There's like this thing or this battle that I've been fighting in the industry for a while where 
you know, there's this uh, misconception that like all technologists or all people who code are people who just code. And so you hire them if you need a developer. But I think especially for people who work in our realm of things, it's like, you know, you guys and people that we all know um, happen to use technology to solve the problems or the things or creative ideas that they come up with. And like, you know, sometimes technology isn't necessarily the thing that is right, but like technology seems to be the medium that they are most familiar with. And so I think that distinction is really important because like, then you'll come up with, like, for example, Evilo, whenever I think of you, I don't think of like, he's a developer. I think of like, oh, he likes to create like playful interactions and almost hide the technology. So if I want to come up with a, like if I'm commissioning a piece or if I'm producing some event or something where I need something where the technology is hidden, but I want to create playful interactions that I think of you. And so it becomes more about like setting your style or your intention behind your work rather than the job title. And I think that distinction is super important. Yeah, I mean, I think that insofar as like I have a relationship to like the art world, like the formal art world and how it's dealing with tech, this is a conversation that I have with curators a lot, which is tech is still treated like a output rather than a medium. And of course, like tech is this hugely encompassing thing, but you know, there's so many ways to better state this that have already been said, but like photography is technology, printing is technology, painting is technology, like it's all technology. So like the, the arbitrary line of like what we call tech art is, you know, and, and curating just on the notion of tech itself seems really short-sighted, but it brings people, um, it attracts a certain audience, right? So the identification of something as tech art versus just like interactive art or environmental art or whatever you want to call it, like does seem to really come down to like, what does the audience think that they want? Or like, what do we think that the audience wants in that context? Yeah. Uh, which I find really frustrating sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. Um, Kevin, I'm super curious just because um, like, I think the way that you described it is, is so holistic. It's such a beautiful way of looking at life in general and like the direction in which you want to take your personal life practice. Um, but has that hindered like, I don't know, for me, I think like, oh, to this day, I think my parents are so proud of me and they get so excited. Um, to describe what I do. And like, just recently, my mom was like, oh, she uses projectors and lights to do like, installation stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so close. That's amazing. I'm so proud. Um, but like, for you, you know, like, does, does the life practice aspect of it, or like your personal take on it affect the way that they describe your work? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I would be, I, I almost want to ask them now, like, what do I do? You know, (laughs) (laughs) almost, almost like in a way that's like, tell me, because I'm trying to figure it out too. Um, (laughs) And to see like from their perspective, because I imagine they will have a perspective that will span all the way since I was like a child. They'll be like, yeah, we saw glimmers of this. And then we noticed it developing as you, as you grew older, this um, creative sense or something. I, I feel like recently my mom mentioned something about, my majors in college with relation to my drawings more recently like my drawings were really like weird and creative and then my major had to do with like physics and math so I was like whoa I wouldn't be able to make that connection but she saw the connection between them um I remember there's certain moments for me where I could share my creative work with my parents and there were always moments of like excitement and pride for me, like I would just feel so amazing about it. I think for the most part growing up, it would be what was emphasized to me was not specifically like you need to go in these specific fields. Um, 
I think like for children of Indian immigrant families, it was often like doctor or engineer or something like that, like some secure profession. But what my parents really encouraged for me is like, think about, um, like, think about the choices that you make and how you may be able to like what choices and opportunities they may allow in the future. So one way to think about that would be like, okay, mm-hmm. get the stable profession and you'll get that. But they didn't impose that. And so I pursued creative works, but always like usually always have some sort of um, job to keep things stable. And I think for myself, it's also very good to have that. Um, and yeah, thanks. That's so sweet. Um, I, like, I think it was like several, I think maybe it was around 2012 or 13-ish. I gave a talk and it was in Baltimore and I grew up like right outside of DC in Maryland um, in, in uh, Montgomery County in Rockville. And so my parents came to the talk and it was an art and technology conference. It was my first time speaking about my work. And there it was like cool to share because it's one thing to see photos of the pieces or, or I can talk about it, you know, when I visit home, but when they see the story as I present it, then, then they really, you know, they can really get pulled into it. And I remember they were just saying, it's really cool to know more about what you're working on now. And I think that continues now because like, I, I think about positions that I had before where I was like throwing conferences and they'd come to the conference or like even the work I do now, which is much closer to the editorial and publishing world. Like they're mostly interested in hearing where I'm going and what's coming next. And then always like whatever work I'm creating, they get excited about it or they have questions about it. That's great. I think uh, I get really excited when my mom is super proud of me. And even though she can like barely describe what I do, she's so excited because, you know, I was also the child of immigrant parents and they were like, you know, try and choose a safe career. And I obviously didn't. But the fact that I had been able to carve out a world for myself and made it work, I think that's the thing that they brag the most about. They're like, we had no idea how to help her, but she figured it out and it was amazing. (laughs) I think that's kind of awesome. That's like a big pat on the back for me. Um, But Ivilo, I I know your dad teaches at SciArc and is is an architect. So he might, I don't know if he's a little bit closer to what you do or has a little bit of a better understanding, but how has that relationship kind of affected you? Sure. Yeah. Well, ditto to the immigrant parent thing. I think that's uh, potentially going to color like the rest of this discussion between the three of us. But yeah, totally. Yeah. Both my parents are architects, actually. Both my parents uh, have been working architects my whole life. And I think just the notion of architecture as a profession tends to be project based, if not outright freelance. Um, So I think like, when I was moving into initially film and, you know, later into sort of whatever we want to call it, um, I think they were definitely understanding of, of sort of like the uh, fits and starts nature of project work. So I think I had a little bit less, I mean, honestly, I had no real friction or, or sort of justification of not having like a quote unquote job. And I think the other element that i count myself very fortunate is both my parents are, are really art literate. I mean, their education in, in Bulgaria was really, really humanities based, even into, you know, when they're studying architecture and engineering stuff. So I think, you know, I, I never had a pressure to do something that was, um, let's say, obvious or prescribed. I, I think I did have a pressure to do something well. And I think that there was potentially like, 
a little bit of inexperience on their part in terms of understanding what I was doing. And they were not sure, like, is he doing this well? Is he going to be great at this? Is this going to be like a path to success? So, you know, the general parental anxiety of kind of watching your son, you know, like leave the house, go to school, and then kind of like try to figure out what they're doing, I'm sure was only amplified by me deciding to do film and then kind of five years later being like, ah, this is great, but it's not for me. And then being like, okay. Um, pivot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, just back to your point about the, the pride thing, I, you know, I think my parents have always been super supportive of all these choices I've made and I've never had kind of like resistance, but there's definitely been worry, you know, and they've always been trying to get me to explain what I do to them. And we have really lovely conversations about it. And now it's kind of evolved into like, the idea that they can't succinctly describe what I do is almost a point of pride for them. Like they will say, like they'll say to their friends, they'll be like, you know what? He's look at him. You know, he has a career. He's working on these projects. I don't even know what he does. It's so out there that like, I can't even describe it. <laughs> and I think they're kind of into that. <laughs> Being into it, you know, why not? <laughs> um, are there projects that you guys kind of uh, lean on to describe it? I mean, like, I feel like sometimes, for example, a few weeks ago, I was, um, for lack of a better example, I was walking through the like Louis Vuitton exhibit here in LA at, in Beverly Hills, where there's a lot of like LED screens and music and like, you know, tech things. And so I had taken my mom there and I was like, mom, by the way, like, this is kind of close to what I do. This is kind of similar. And she's like, oh, oh my God, I get it now. And it was kind of nice to put like a picture or like give her a visual um, component to like describe it. Um, are there like projects you guys lean on or like things that you point to to kind of describe it? Like that we've done or just like out in the world? Yeah, just out in the world. Or like, you know, are there projects out there that make it easier or people out there that you can kind of like point to examples? And not describe to you the amount of articles in newspapers that have been clipped out for me that have mentioned the words virtual reality <laughs> or interactive or something about museums, which I think is, you know, again, like a good... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a good sort of sign that they're like, check it out. Like you could be in the paper one day. And I, no, actually, oh my God. Like I, uh, a project that I did like was in the New York times one time, like as a sidebar nice. um, in like a larger piece about like museum tech. <laughs> and I think my parents flipped out. They were really into it. Like it's something they could point to in print and be like, yeah, this explains what <laughs> process it is that my son is engaging with. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think for Coven, for you, I feel like you just point to your own huge body of work and be like, well, you know, this. <laughs> I, I did have this moment where um, a couple weeks ago, I was at the Tate in London, and I saw some pieces by Bridget Riley, whose work I absolutely love. And I remember when I, I feel like I first may have seen her work at the Walker. Oh, yeah. It's um, a great museum. During, yeah, like during some IO, or during IO, like, her work is just, it's like we get into processing and we're creating different sketches and then we tend towards certain pattern things and geometries. And then you find like the op art movement and then you find Bridget Riley and you're like, wow, like she was doing this. Like she, you could see the line between that and, and this. So my dad saw the photo I posted because I took a photo in front of it, you know, feeling really cool. And um, <laughs> he, he emailed me about it and he's like, oh, this makes me think about your drawings. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Bridget Riley. She's like a huge influence. And then he's like, he responds like something like the Tate museum next, like implying that I'll show my drawings at Tate. And I'm like, Oh my God, like 
Oh, <laughs> uh, oh my God, yeah, that's so good. sweet. <laughs> so much faith. It was very charming. And I was like, oh, geez. Um, but in terms of like, when I think about my, like the various jobs that I've had and how to explain them, that sometimes gets more challenging. Like, especially now, like I'm in, in the media space and working a lot more with writers and thinking about how to support creative communities. It's hard to find things to point to that represent that. Like mm -hmm. I could point to different events. There was an event I threw in DC that they came to that was around media and data science. And they came to that and then they could get a feel for the space. But outside of that, it's hard to say like, oh, this, this thing is, is what I'm doing, especially in the case of it's something more relational. A lot of the things that I point to and, and that I get inspired by are potentially some of these things that I could also point to and uh, show my parents. But there has been like, maybe this is optimistic thinking, but I think there has been a willingness to sort of be doing these kind of event-based one-off things, which are probably a little bit more related to the kind of work that I end up doing, whether it's like a museum doing something like the amazing you know, VR uh, Inuritu project, or whether it's kind of, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, the uh, Museum of Ice Cream stuff or whatever. Um, I, I think that format has sort of entered the literacy of what people can do on like a Friday night or what my parents could go do. And that certainly helped, yeah. you know, for, for better or worse, you know, however you feel about the stuff like, uh, you know, Refinery29 rooms or whatever. Um, it's definitely like a thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I kind of feel like the the influx of all these experiential installations things have definitely helped, not only with like being able to get people to understand um, what we do and apply it, but also like getting people to like go to these things and also kind of in a weird way understand why it matters or why it's necessary. I mean, like maybe the um, weird Instagram museums aren't the best way, but there was definitely a discussion that I saw the other day about how a lot of people were saying like, yeah, we don't like these pop-up Instagram museums that much, but there is so much merit in like it becoming a little bit more mainstream. So it's easier for all of us to actually like take these and then like raise more money or get more people on board with what we do. Um, and like getting our kind of work in there in like the mainstream in galleries and art museums and like commercial work is really imperative for like us really stabilizing this industry and like having us in there. <laughs> I think like there was a while where I was working at um, an ad agency and even people in the company couldn't really figure out what I did, but they knew they needed me. And they're like, we know she's necessary. Well, she does a little bit of like everything. And so we just know that she has to sit here and she'll be super effective. We just like can't explain to you why. <laughs> um, have, you guys, have you guys had that moment where it's like, yeah, I don't know. They're there. They're there. And it's like super important that they're there. And like, we can't, I don't know why, but like, we can't live without them. That's oh. <laughs> basically what they're trying to say. I mean, I, I feel like I've kind of built a career on that. Like I, I, this notion of like yeah. <laughs> having basically, I think a large part of my job on when I'm coming in as a technical director specifically is just telling people that it's going to work. It, you know, like it's, it's making the thing ultimately is, is, you know, a huge part of it as well. But I, more often than not is just like being the person in the room that everybody's like, is this going to work? And just kind of nodding vigorously or frequently sort of saying like, yeah, but that's not how technology works. Here's what actually is going to be the thing. Um, yeah. I mean, the idea of people doing these Instagram museums or doing, you know, like you're saying, being that person in the room that they're not sure what you do, but you're important. It's, there's so many industries that are predicated on like 
having some kind of metric or having some kind of knowledge about how people will interact with something. Um, you know, we're sort of leaving out art for a moment, you know, when we're talking about kind of advertising or commercial projects, like they're, they're done so that they can point to them and say, Hey, like we, this many people saw it, or, you know, this is how many, you know, whatever that metric might be. And as soon as you throw in these new mediums, it really takes somebody to kind of step outside the the lines a little bit to say like, you know what, I don't know how to measure this, but this is probably going to be interesting. And so the fact that like more of these things are popping up, even if we may or may not like the Instagrammy nature of them, I think, you know, it's just speaking to the fact that there's more people like us in the room saying like, yeah, this is possible. Like it's not going to be a total failure. Let's try that experiment. Let's try um, doing an Instagram museum and see how people react to it, which I think can only lead to like, better versions of it, right? And I think the, the best version of it is, uh, it's, it was never even conceived of in this way, but like the best kind of like pop-up experiential new media, whatever buzzword you want to throw in it, I think is Sleep No More is a play. You know, it's this mm-hmm. idea of like getting people in a place and just completely immersing them in something. And like how many people have you had conversations with that have pointed to that and said like, wow, well, Sleep No More is so cool. I want to do something like that. You know, that's, the more the merrier, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Coven, I know that your work isn't necessarily as like sleep no more or as like as big, especially now that you work in publishing. Um, but I mean, like just by virtue of working at a tech company, I kind of feel like in a weird way, everyone is kind of working tangentially to tech now. Everyone's a little bit in tech. Um, so like to say that you are a tech person or or something is like, it doesn't seem as different anymore or it doesn't seem like, it seems like we all need to get a little bit more detailed into it. Um, so like in, in regards to that for like medium and what you're doing there, um, how do you, I guess, differentiate that? Yeah. Um, well, when you were, when you're describing this about like being tech people, um, I think about that in the space, in this art tech space as well. We're all like, we're making work in this in this medium, in these new mediums and exploring technologies to make different works. And I found that amidst all of the different artists and inspirations, like one of the things that was very important or seemed to be important was being able to articulate what is what is the theme or the thing that you're exploring or making. Like you could go in all different directions and then it's kind of hard for people to understand really like where is the you in it. Or you can be broad about the you, but thinking about like, what's your story in it? And I think events like IO are helpful for that because like I would go to it and see so many artists present and then they would present their story and they would present the questions they ask and the themes that they have and what ties their different projects together. So I found that that sort of aspect fascinating about like, here's an area that I'm exploring, say with tech. But really, here, here are the things that I'm like really curious about. When it comes to the work that I do at Medium, a lot of it is actually like sharing the story both internally and externally about what that identity is and what that work is. And what, to what you were describing earlier, that aspect of like when you were at an agency and people like weren't really that clear, like that would be, I, I would almost, um, if that happens and I take it as an opportunity it's like okay how can I articulate this what are different ways that I can articulate this especially in cases where 
like a role may be more flexible or there may be like some new things on the horizon that actually haven't been, there's not a strong language for it yet. It hasn't been articulated yet. And for the most part, now I've been thinking more about rather than like building the actual technology for, you know, creating pieces and distributing them, it's like, who are the people who create them and building those relationships and thinking more about how to like grow a community there. Uh, so much more like people oriented. Yeah. People first is always what I say, or like, at least for me, I've always thought of um, me as like, whether I was a UX designer or a creative technologist or an installation person or a producer, it's always about like making an experience for the people and the people is what matters. It's not really necessarily about the tech and what tech I'm using. Um, and I think that's been kind of a similar notion that a lot of people have been gravitating towards is that, wait a minute, like we're not necessarily, and some people are, but we're not necessarily all about the tech. Like the tech is not driving what we do. And so like to be able to make sure that we position things as no matter whether it's like a website or an installation or um, whatever it is we happen to make, it's all about giving some, whether it's a playful moment or an expressive moment or something to a person that we decide as our audience. Um, and that's kind of like a really artistic way of looking at it, which is really nice. I, you know, I, I think in a perfect world that you and I have talked about this a lot, like I think the tech is, is meant to be invisible and I would rather it not, you know, in, in many installations specifically, I'd rather it was never mentioned at all. But I think my views on that have evolved a little bit to the point where I think like tech can definitely bring like the notion of tech or like making something a, a tech project definitely brings people in the door, but like it's not enough to hold people there or give them anything like worth coming for, right? You can say like, hey, check out this cool tech project, but then you do have to create those genuine moments. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with some of these platforms and, you know, specifically, I guess, VR. Like, I think a lot of people were super pumped about like the opportunities of VR, but like really few people. Empathy. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 you know, like nobody's paying it off. Like, cause it's, it was a lot of people like jumping at it for opportunities of selling stuff, but like, the audience didn't stay. I mean, whatever audience there was, like, didn't stay. And I think these um, Instagrammable installations or, or whatever, you know, manifestation of um, sort of these projects that we're talking about, like, I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to, like, begin with saying, like, hey, check this out. You know, we, we're using X, Y, or Z tech to make something really cool happen. But then they should forget about it. Like, once you're in the door, you should absolutely forget about it. It should not be the thing. It's funny, like just in the last two minutes, all I've been thinking about is like ASMR for <laughs> VR people. It's like empathy, doing VR will make you feel better about yourself and the world. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, on this totally side note, going back to the whole people don't know what you do thing. Have you guys ever been called a really weird title? I remember I was like super, super, um, like I wasn't drunk. I was actually very sober <laughs> in a car with a very drunk friend. <laughs> and this drunk friend was trying to introduce me to someone. And she was like, this girl's amazing. She does tech things and like installation. She's, she's a baby, basically like a babe technology sandwich <laughs> magnet. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but that is on my website now. And it's on my business card. <laughs> I was like, I love it. Uh, is there any other like titles that I've come across your way that have just been like so ridiculous, but so almost accurate? I mean, I feel like I keep jumping in, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. I mean, your website is all about that. Well, yeah, I mean, so I can sort of think of examples in both directions. I think like in the direction that I think comes up more frequently is people will call me a developer or a computer scientist. And I, I bristle at that a little bit because like, I think there are people that are extraordinarily talented computer scientists and I am not one of them. 
Oh, definitely. I know that feel. (laughs) I like write the code and I'm like, if it works, I'm leaving alone. I don't care if it's clean. It works. It's fine. I've gotten to the point. It's taken me years to get to the point where I'm not embarrassed to say like that I can program. And I definitely like feel comfortable, but like do not call me a computer scientist because I think it's super offensive to somebody that spent like six years getting a master's degree and, you know, can write ones and zeros on a napkin and have, you know, Quake come out or something. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa. Um, I so, want to meet this person, damn. <laughs> um, on the other end, like the, the, the one that I was hoping to be able to identify with for a little while, but it didn't catch on, and, and now in hindsight does look a little bit dumb, is um, I did this uh, Tribeca Film Institute hackathon, uh, which was really like one of the first things that convinced me that this was a viable career path. And when you were applying to the hackathon, you had to sort of pick what role you want it to be. Did you want to be a designer? Did you want to be a developer? Did you want to be a storyteller? And one of the options on the uh, form, um, I'm basically basing my whole anecdote on a web form here, uh, was a black box. And I was really intrigued by like the notion of describing yourself as a black box, <laughs> because it really kind of resonated with what I exactly wanted to identify with. Like I just wanted to be a role on a team or a, you know, a collaborator that could help anywhere and bring sort of like some expertise to certain specific things. And I've really enjoyed that metaphor, even if it's like a stupid name to put on a business card. <laughs> I kind of feel like uh, it's like for me as a producer who I like, you know, went from creative technologist to now leaning in towards more of a producer role. I'm like, there's a thin line between black box and trash bag. Where, <laughs> where it's like a producer, I'm like, I can do everything, but as a result, I'm forced to do the things that no one else wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> which is a huge struggle. Um, um, which is, I don't know, frustrating for me. I think, like, usually if people describe what I do or when they talk about it, usually they end up describing, like, some project in some weird way. Like, Like, I think about um, loop dance with the sounds from the phone. So then people will describe mm-hmm. like, like I was in the crowd and then everybody was making these weird sounds and he was yelling from the stage. And so they kind of describe this scenario. And I always find that kind of amusing or something like, you know, he makes these drawings that like look really silly, but then actually make you feel a lot of things and cry. Um, so like there's sort of that describing like a situation or experience. Um, sometimes people say some, like, I guess to the analog to what you were describing earlier with programmers, sometimes people will say like, oh, you're, you're a designer. And I'm like, oh my God, so flattered, you know, like, wow, (laughs) like I, I'm nowhere near, you know, the skill set of these, these folks. And then I think the one title that actually meant the most to me was somebody was doing like this Instagram roundup, uh, at the end of last year and they posted a series of, of works. And they were like, these are all poets who I really love. And I was like, what? A poet? Wow. Oh. And I remember at one point aspiring, like I was like, oh, I want to be a poet. Poets are so amazing. Like they can carry so much meaning and inspiration <laughs> just with words and they can share it and they can create something that will inspire other people within themselves. So then, yeah, they wrote that and I looked through to the piece that they were highlighting and it was actually like a piece that was primarily of words. And I went and I had like maybe 20 notebooks and I just like tried to find which, where it was in which notebook. And I found it and I just like ripped it out and put it up on my wall. Cause I was like, this hmm. is it. This is, this is where I want to be going. This feels right right now. 
I mean, you kind of did that with uh, publishing your own book called Feeling Great About My Butt. I mean, <laughs> to me, you very much are a poet because of that. Not not because of that, but like, you know, that really solidified it. And now like you're, you move from someone who like, you know, gave so much expression and creativity to other people using code and interactive moments to now doing it with words. And it feels like your entire art practice is surrounding this ability to make people feel this distinct thing rather than using a specific medium, which is incredible. Thank you. I mean, the book is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the title is so awesome. Um, yeah, but I think like amidst all these things, I mean, we joke that like, you know, parents and stuff are the people that don't know what we do. But I think that's like, generally speaking, a lot of the people in this industry and in this world don't know what we do in general. When you're finally able to explain to people what you do for a living, um, are most people who aren't in tech, like, are they more impressed or are they just more confused at what you do? I don't know that like impressing somebody is kind of like the context in which I ever describe what I do. I, I mean, I think there's always like the meeting somebody at a party. You know, I live in Los Angeles. Like, I think there's such like a default, like within the first two sentences of meeting somebody to ask, like, what do you do? Um, and, you know, like, I don't think I've ever answered and somebody's been like, oh, my God, you use computers. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I'd like to I'd like to think that, you know, if I've been talking to somebody and maybe they've looked at a work or something that I've worked on, like they would, uh, you know, that's when they would potentially be impressed. The, the one time I guess I will say that somebody has actually had a similar reaction is when I have like name dropped some artists that I've worked with because that person just happened to be like a big art nerd. But like, I don't think I can take credit for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't think of like a moment where... Maybe like before when I would describe what I did and then I would show someone like a demo of something, they'd be like, oh my God, this is so wacky or weird. Like there's this one thing, I like to show this one because this feels like it combines my more recent art practice with when, when I was doing more digital work. Is this piece like where you go on this website and it's my face and it's just like my face. And then if you touch it, it puts your, it puts my hand on my face and then if you move up and down on the screen, uh, like on your phone, it'll like move the hand up and down over the face, kind of like dramatically. Um, and it's just really weird and people don't expect it. And then so that's like the moment where there might be some awe or like, oh my God. But when it's just like words, maybe there's some interest. <laughs> maybe there's some like, oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. There's never like, there's never like, uh, like you were saying, like there was never like, oh my God. It's only when the demo happens that ha that the oh my god comes out and people like flip out. Exactly. I mean, I think it even goes back to the topic of this conversation, right? Like, there's no succinct way to encompass probably all the projects that would get any kind of a reaction like that in however I'm answering somebody when they ask me what I do. So, like, there's it's never the intent. It's sort of generally it's a matter of judging the situation and being like, okay, which version of the answer do I need to give? right now mm -hmm. whether it's the like oh yeah i work with artists or whether it's the like i make interactive art you know it's it definitely has a little bit of filtering built in it's frequently and depending on like what context i'm meeting somebody and it will be the kind of thing like oh hey you're this person in real life i know you as this screen name or you know i saw you on the slack channel where we were talking about shaders um <laughs> which definitely has happened but yeah, definitely. <laughs> internet uh, friends. Yeah, internet <laughs> friends with weird screen names. Um, kind of on that note, like there are definitely like relatives of relatives or whatever and stuff. And at that point in my Rolodex, 
that gets to the point where I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <fuck> it. <laughs> That's a, just like an easy way to answer that question and move on. I'm still a filmmaker probably to like a quarter of the people on my like Facebook friend list or whatever. It's fine. Which is still awesome. Filmmaker. Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or an artist. You know what? Artist just encompasses so many things that sometimes it answers all the questions for us. Or like starts more. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. One time, one time I was, I, I still like, do you ever have these conversations where you like go over it in your head and you're like, I should have shown that guy. Like one time <laughs> I was, this was years ago. I can't believe I'm even saying this. Like I came back from uh, working on a project abroad and this is, you know, still early on. And when I'm like doing this kind of work, so very internally defensive about whether this is even like a viable career. And I was getting asked something by like the immigration officer coming back into the States. And he was like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I, I do interactive art. I was working on a theater piece. So he looks at me and he goes, so you're unemployed. Ooh. <gasps> <laughs> uh, and like Dude. the only reason I did it, like I'm a generally confrontational person. And the only <laughs> reason I didn't give him shit was because I was smuggling so much cheese in my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> that like I didn't if if it had gone to a thing where I had gotten you know searched I definitely was in the wrong but if I didn't have that cheese man he would have heard a piece of my mind <laughs> <laughs> hey man cheese is important cheese is super important I took one for the cheese <laughs> but that, got, I, I, that stuck with me because I think like just now when you're talking about like you know identifying as an artist I think it's a really unfortunately loaded label definitely. you know I think like especially as like a millennial or you know as a sort of younger person i think people really flippantly label themselves as artists and you know a lot of people judge that label definitely i especially think for people who do like our line of work we're often toggling between doing freelance gigs for corporate clients or like doing full-time gigs while having an art practice and so that makes it even more confusing because it's like i I don't know about you guys but for me i feel like i get a lot of imposter syndrome when it comes to calling myself an artist i feel like saying like I have an art practice and I, I'm an artist, it definitely helps encompass like the big picture of what I do and how I view life. But then even I have a hard time even saying that because I'm like, but I'm like not really an artist. I don't really feel like I can say that about myself. I don't know. I feel like artist is as much of a brand as creative technologist is now. And I think like you're just getting one set of reactions versus another, which is not to say that like, obviously there are amazingly talented artists just as there are amazingly talented technologists out there. But you're always, you're always confronting like what somebody's going to read the description as or what somebody's going to interpret that label as. So I sort of shied. I mean, if you even look at the, the essay on my website in question, like it's no longer the front. The same essay is no longer the front page of my website. And that original essay definitely had artist in there. And currently, like my intro does not identify as artist. Oh, interesting. I find that um, sometimes like, actually often if I'm in at a party or most any social scenario, like it's such a good way to start a conversation because, you know, you say you're an artist, then the obvious question is like, Oh, what kind of art do you make? You know, like, and then, and then you can start talking about the art and then you can start talking about the ideas that motivated you for it. So I found that like often I'll be in places where I'll just be around other people who like to make things. And then this will be just a quick way to get to that conversation about what you're passionate about making. And then there's other scenarios where it might be more challenging, like, like you'll say artists and then people will have whatever notions they have about that. But often, like, even in those scenarios, if it's like a networking thing or something, I don't know, like if someone hears artists, 
in that context, it's so, so much what they didn't expect that they're curious. And it's almost like refreshing, like a, a ray of light comes in and it's like, oh, cool. Like, tell me about this thing that, um, that seems so different from the space that we're in right now. I mean, I think that's definitely goes back to this idea of like switching up how you describe yourself. But I also, I mean, if you allow me to fanboy for a second, I think you're an artist. Like, I love your work. And I think you could back up like the claim. Easily. I'm quietly blushing. I think of I think of you as an artist more than I think of you as a publisher. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Actually, kind of to your point, Kevin, I was thinking about how all of us met. And I think like all of us have kind of resonated with each other because of the way that we work and the way that we view the world, not because of our job title. It wasn't because of what we called ourselves. And I remember in particular, like I had seen your talk and I think like Coven, you have maybe saw mine at IO. And then so when we met at that bar that night, we we're both like, ha, ha, I love, I love your talk. I love your talk too. <laughs> it's kind of just like a, this like explosion of like, I just love what you do. And I really respect it. And it wasn't about the title and all that stuff. And I think the IO community or the art tech community is really great about that because all of us kind of live in this in-between of not exactly knowing how to call ourselves, but also respecting how much love and effort we put into the, our practice and what we do. And I think that's super important. I could talk to you guys forever, but unfortunately, we have to wrap up soon. But, you know, thinking about a lot of kids who are coming out of design and media art schools or like um, new media programs and stuff like that, I know that they struggle a lot with how they call themselves or what they decide to go um, forth with in their careers. Um, for you guys as established people, um, do you have any words of like wisdom or something that you would tell them in terms of navigating this struggling, weird industry and career path? I mean, so I actually teach at one of these uh, programs. <laughs> <laughs> I teach at Woodbury University in the Applied Computer Science Department, which is a really strange name for our for our like media arts department. And basically the thing I keep telling these kids is like, you don't know how fucking lucky you are that this is a program. <laughs> like Back in my day. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think this is, <laughs> it's tough, right? Like I wish that I had like known that this was an option, you know, when I was an undergrad and maybe I would have gone to like grad school for this. Maybe I would have gone like ITP or something. By the time I like realized that there were schools for this, like I was way beyond like wanting to go back to school. At the same time, like, I don't know if I, like, would have done this if I hadn't kind of, like, done film first. I just think, like, the notion that you could go to undergrad, which is, like, a opportunity for you to, like, try some stuff out and get a bachelor's degree. And then, you know, if you're going to be an engineer, fine, go, like, go to a master's program. But if you're going to go get a bachelor's degree and this is the kind of program that's open to you, it's incredible. Like, these students... I teach a mixed reality studio class, so specifically we're working with uh, VR and, and AR and... I mean, I'm not VR's biggest fan. And so I kind of teach it from that perspective. I'm like, why are you making stuff in this? Like, think about it. <laughs> um, but like, just the fact that somebody's there yelling at them about like, okay, fine, stop gushing over VR and like, just make something interesting is something that didn't exist when I was an undergrad. Definitely. Oh, so lucky. These kids these days. These kids. <laughs> to that, I would add, like, I think about how i don't know like how how it was defining that like as you were describing like defining this when it wasn't defined and thinking about things that have yet to be defined um and i feel part of it is like for me what was helpful and it's kind of a flexible exercise but like a mixture of like seeing how like seeing other things that inspire you if if you can find it that exists how do they how do those people describe it 
what they do? What is the language that they use for it? And then using that to inform your own language. If that exists, if it doesn't, then write it out as many different ways as you like. And then just start trying it out. And and one of the things that's come up already a couple of times in this conversation is like the context really matters. So who you're talking to. So in in some cases, however it is you want to describe yourself will work. In other cases, it won't. Um, but it may also depend on the person. So based on that feedback, you start to identify like what kind of feels right. And then amidst that, I think the biggest thing is finding that community of other people who are in this space. Uh, so you can like, share the misery of trying to come up with a name with each other. Yeah, I mean, on a slightly serious note, that, you know, reminded me something that I think really helped me as I was trying to sort of set this path for myself and maybe is less applicable now. But like when when I graduated undergrad in, in 2009, it was a very weird economy. And like the prospect of getting a quote unquote real job did not necessarily seem any more sure of like a future stability than like starting my own company in my own studio you know and so the idea of like if it's you know 50 years ago or, or parents generation even less than 50 years ago like going to college getting a job like you could get a house like you were set and now like there's so much uncertainty in all the existing paths that like what it's not that much more crazy to try to do something that you really love or that you really have a passion for or that you really have an aptitude for, right? Um, so that's something that's been, I think, has paid off, and you know, it gave me the confidence to like move in this field without, you know, somebody pointing away uh, in front of me. I think uh, one thing that I noticed for both of you guys was uh, it seemed like you guys had both basically done journal entries or write-ups of like all the different things of what you like to do, what you aspire to be doing, what you kind of think that your practice or feel like your practice revolves around. And I feel like that writing exercise, uh, a friend of mine who's a writer recently told me writing is one of the most underrated self-care things that you can do for yourself. And I think like if, if I'm taking anything away from both of you, I would say I want to go home and just like start writing up everything about myself to figure out how I view the world and how I see myself contributing to the world. And I think that's really nice. Um, awesome. Well, I think we're going to wrap up here. I want to thank you both so much for being a part of this. I know it's such a funny, odd topic to talk about. And you guys are definitely our guinea pigs for Next Start to figure out this podcasting thing. Uh, so I really appreciate it. You guys can find their work at Ivailo Getov. That's I-V-A-Y-L-O-G-E-T-O-V.com and witchlight.com, W-H-I-C-H-L-I-G-H-T.com. Thanks, guys, so much for joining us. Uh, I hope to chat with you guys soon. Hope you guys had fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having this podcast. Yeah, thanks, Mather. <laughs> Talk soon. All right, cool. Um, oh, yeah. that, sorry. <laughs> I was so funny. Like, we started recording, and all of a sudden, from nowhere, I started getting nervous, and I was like, no, this is not supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs>